We'll read verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Then shall every man have praises of God, praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes. Here we go. That you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. And let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the scripture. I pray you'd speak to us through it, God. Help us to take the, uh, the things you're going to try to teach us. Help us to make practical application. Lord, may it change the way we live our lives. Uh, Lord, may our relationships be affected from it, and in turn, may, may uh, we live a better life that pleases you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Notice what he says there in verse 5. Uh, man, I love this reminder. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, notice this, until the Lord come. All right, and uh, you know what that means that there's going to be a time that the Lord is going to come and I know that we keep thinking about it and we keep in our minds we, we say we believe it and I think we do but in our minds it's just an event that seems to be so far out in the future by the way uh, you know what it may not be very far out in the future amen it could be this very night until the Lord come he's going to come amen now notice here what's going to happen when he comes I'll tell you what's going to happen things are going to change that's what's going to happen amen things are going to change I think I told you uh, a little bit uh, uh, before something about when the Lord comes, uh, He's not uh, coming to, uh, uh, what was it, man, I forget what it was, take something, He's coming to take charge, amen? And, or, and so uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. But notice what it says here, okay, what's He going to do? Who, will bo- who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, amen? Bring to light those hidden things. And I think that's referring to the positive and the negative side of things. You know what? Sometimes the things we do for God and, and the service we have for the Lord really isn't known. Amen? And, uh, and what, what's that song we sing? Little is much when God is in it. And you know what? Truth be told, uh, by the way, that never should be our motivation because of what people see and, and what others think. That should never be the motivation. And so a lot of the things we do for God, you know what? They're hidden. All right? They're not really uh, manifest out there. And uh, But on the negative side of things, a lot of times, sometimes people think that they're getting by with things. They think that, uh, you know what, they're the ones that are, are in charge and they're the ones that are, are uh, you know, uh, they feel like they, uh, they're pulling the strings, they're doing the manipulating, and they feel like they're getting by with it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, ain't nobody getting by with anything, amen? Because God's going to bring those things to light and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Man, that, that, that's powerful. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the motivation of the counsels of the heart. By the way, good reminder for us all, God can read our hearts. Right? Hey, we can't read anybody's heart. Alright? And in fact, that's kind of what the verse is talking about here. Uh, you know, not being judgmental because you can't read a person's heart. You know, making, you know, just, just what things appear to be because God's the one that's going to bring those things to manifest. And then notice, then shall every man have praise of God. Think about what that's saying. Amen? You, you live your life right in such a way. Hey, every man shall have praise of God. God's going to be pleased with you. Amen? And you'll be thanking God. You'll be praising God. Now, let's get on to where we're at tonight. Now, even though these things kind of tie in, I'm not going the direction that I just talked about in verse 5. Look at the end of verse 6. 
that no uh, one of you be puffed up for one against another. And that's the responsibility we're going to look at is this, uh, be not puffed up for one against another. Now, that's kind of a tongue twister phrase, if you will. Uh, but uh, think about, uh, we, we know what that means, to be puffed up, all right? That means exactly what you think it means. It means to be, to be inflated, all right, to be inflated. And then we must ask ourselves, what is it? that we would be inflated with that God says we should not be inflated with. If we're inflated with something, particularly against another person, you know what the thing we are going to be puffed up with? And by the way, that word puffed up, it means inflated. And here's what else it means, the words that go along with it. Haughtiness and pride. Amen. Haughtiness and pride. I'm going to tell you right now, if we get puffed up, all right, that's usually what we're being puffed up with, right? And by the way, it's just the same thing you puff up a balloon with. It's a bunch of hot air. You know, that's really what it is. And so, again, we find another direct command here not to be puffed up with haughtiness and pride against another. Now, why did Paul say this? Well, of course, uh, let's flip back to the previous chapter and we'll see why this was said, all right? This is the, this is the pretty famous passage here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, of course, uh, I've taught you this before, uh, but, you know, the church of Corinth, they were known for one thing. They were known for being carnal. By the way, Corinth back in the day was a wicked, wicked place. It was likened to the, you know, uh, a town like maybe Las Vegas or New Orleans or, or some, you know, and you know what, truth be told, even though we use those, those cities as examples, that kind of stuff's everywhere now. Amen. I mean, it's, it, maybe it's a little more concentrated there and, uh, but man, that, that junk's everywhere. But Corinth was a place known for sin, known for, here's the word, carnality. And that, that carnality had seeped into the church. And look what he says in verse 3. Man, Paul pulled no punches, for ye are yet carnal. He just says what it is. Amen? You know what? You're a carnal church. You're, you're fleshly. You're all about the flesh. You're not filled with the Spirit. Man, you talk about uh, the apostle not, just, just, just laying it out there. Amen? But now he's going to tell why they're carnal. He's going to break down into it. Why was this church carnal? For whereas there is among you, here you go, envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You know what really was a mark of their carnality? Was their relationship one with another. The fact that within the church there was envying, there was strife, there was divisions. Again, folks, I know I've been saying this, and so many of these principles we've been learning point to this. But that is Satan's number one way to disrupt the church is to bust up the unity. Because let me tell you something, if we're not unified in the Spirit, we will not be that great, mighty, conquering army that the Lord wants for us to be. Amen? How can we be out storming the gates of hell the way we're supposed to be if we're all divided? Right? If we're all uh, caught up in, in, in this little squabble, that little squabble, and, and not doing what the Bible says for us to do. Okay, and here's here's what was going on in the church. He explains it. Look at verse four. For while one saith, "I am of Paul," and another, "I am of Apollos," again he says it again. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Neither then, neither is he uh, that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 
Now he that planteth, he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own laborer. So here's what was going on, okay? Here's what the division was. Alright, Apollos, of course, was, was someone God used, an early church father, uh, to help within this church get it started. And, uh, what was a preacher, no doubt, winning people to Christ, no doubt. And, and these people started being followers of men instead of followers of Christ. And the division was this. Well, Apollos won me to the Lord. I, I belong to Apollos. Well, Paul won me to the Lord. I belong to Paul. And there was this stupid division in the church between Apollos and Paul. You know what Paul said? Because they, they, they had that division, you're carnal. By the way, this had nothing to do with Paul or Apollos. Okay? It had to do with the carnality of the church members. Alright? And Paul explains a very important principle that we better remember when it comes to our work for the Lord. I love this. And this ought to be, and again folks, I understand there's a balance to this. Okay? But you know what? The reason we get puffed up, because we don't remember what verse 7 says. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. And you could not uh, change the Scripture by saying, add that same phrase, anything. Okay? Because let me tell you something, folks. It ain't us that's doing the work. It's God. Okay? Who is anything? It's God that giveth the increase. That's what this thing's about, folks. It's about God. And let me tell you something. A lot can be accomplished if we'll keep ourselves out of it. A lot of times people ask me how the church is going. And here's what I say. I said, you know what? God's blessing as long as I stay out of His way. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something. The easiest way, the quickest way to get God's blessing off a church, off a family, off any situation, is to start jumping in and getting in the way. Amen? Getting between God and what He wants to try to do. And you know what? That All that is is pride. And that's what was going on in the church here. So Paul has to tell this church there in chapter 4, the next chapter over, not to be puffed not up for one against another. Amen? And so we see this here, that uh, pride and, and all this stuff and uh, it gets in the way and literally can mess everything up. And you know, a lot of times uh, we, we find this even in the ranks of Christianity You'll find there, there is, there is pride. There, there's things puffed up between other Christian leaders against associations. There's, you know, conventions, colleges, this church, that church. And, you know, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, one thing as a pastor, uh, I, I, I do very good to guard you against. And you know what? I'm going to say this. You're not even going to know what I'm talking about because I guard you against it, but against Baptist politics. I do not bring that into this church, nor will I ever bring that into this church. Okay? You know, they're, they're, and again, we're sheltered from it here. You know why you don't know a lot about it? Because I don't tell you about it. But you'd be surprised how much, even in the monks, uh, circles of good churches, it's almost like this group, and they don't call themselves groups, they call themselves camps. I don't know why they use that word. But there's this camp, and man, they're, they don't like this camp because they went to that Bible college and they went to that Bible college. That is nonsense. You know what it is? Carnal! Carnal, amen? And I'm not bringing it into this church. Amen. amen, we ain't having that stuff here. Listen, folks, I think we're all serving the same God, are we not? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about people who believe and preach a false gospel. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who believe the Bible, who they're saved. And by the way, guess what? Not everybody's going to do everything the same way. God, by the way, that's why there's a judgment seat of Christ. And God's going to set the record straight one of these days. And the problem is when we get in there and start getting in on that, and all of a sudden we don't like this preacher because so-and-so don't like this preacher, it's carnal. 
Amen? We are not to be puffed up one against another. And man, you see this throughout the Scripture. And by the way, when this stuff happened, you know what? Man, God dropped the boom on stuff when this kind of stuff happened. Let me tell you who our allegiance ought to be to. Amen? It ought to be to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. That's who our allegiance ought to be to. Amen? And again, it's just, it's silly sometimes the things that go in amongst, uh, amongst Christians. And by the way, when the world sees that, no wonder they don't want anything to do with it. Okay, when they see all these infightings going on in a church, I mean, why would they want to be part of that? I mean, that, that's all, that's all over the world. That's in every factory in this community. You know, this little group against that little group. And it's just stupid. It's silly. Amen? It has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at some verses here, and I'll show you some examples of this. Go to Numbers chapter 11. There's a very interesting uh, passage back here, and truth be told, most of the time it gets overlooked. I've I've read this before, I know I've read it before, but until I kind of looked at it this afternoon when I was studying out, it really didn't ring a bell to me until I went back and started, uh, and then I saw the context of it. Numbers chapter 11, of course... The children of Israel, as they were traveling through the wilderness, man, they had too much Egypt in them. And man, God had to whoop the fire out of them to get that Egypt out of them. And uh, in fact, literally, that generation, because of their disobedience, had to die in the wilderness because they couldn't get the world out of them. But we see here Numbers chapter 11, and let's look at beginning in verse 25. And uh, I'll show you the context of this and show you a neat principle here. Here's what it says, And the Lord came down in the cloud and spake unto him, Moses, and took of the Spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but were not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. Okay, so here's the context of it, all right? God is giving Moses some help, all right? Moses was trying to carry all the load himself, and God never intended for Moses to do it all himself. So God, uh, remember back in these days, the Holy Spirit did not indwell people the way He indwells them now, okay? This was, but this was before Christ had died. By the way, every time that new convert gets saved, I always tell him, let me tell you what just happened to you. The Holy Spirit of God just come to live inside of you, amen? Hey, I'm glad I'm, we're on this side of the cross, by the way, amen? I'm glad I didn't have to get up this morning and offer some animal to, to temporary atonement for my sin. Thank God that the precious Lamb of God will shed His blood once for all, amen? But before Jesus did that, uh, the Holy Spirit came and went, all right, and you find that all throughout the Old Testament. I don't have time to get into the reasons behind all that, uh, but he did. And so God gave Moses some help here and put his spirit upon these 70 elders. And isn't it interesting, when the spirit rested upon them, you know what they did? They prophesied. By the way, you know what they were prophesying? They were prophesying the known scripture that they already had, the law God had given, amen? They're prophesying that, just reaffirming the things that God had said to the people. And then there, it seems that there's, there's two of these men who were still in the camp prophesying. And then look at verse 27. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad, you prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. Okay, so someone comes and tells the leadership, Hey, these guys are in the camp prophesying. You need to shut that down. You need to stop doing that. Look at verse 29. And Moses said unto him, note here's the word, Enviest thou for my sake. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, 
and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. And Moses got him into the camp, he and the elders of Israel. Okay? You know, and I understand that the, 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 they were kind of looking out for Moses here is what they were doing. And that's why Moses said, Envious thou for my sake. All right? And they were just saying, Moses, someone else is prophesying. Somebody else is doing what you ought to be doing, Moses. And you know what Moses said? He says, Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets. You know what he's saying? I wish everybody would be right with God, that God could speak through him and be a prophet. Okay? Moses wasn't envious of those men whose God's hand was upon. He encouraged it. And you know what? We ought to, as Christians, encourage people when they are going forward for the Lord. I mean, why would we discourage that? I tell you, if we do, do try to discourage it, I tell you why. It's because of pride is what it is. You know, I mean, listen, you ought to have been uh, thankful and encouraging, and you all were, by the way, thank you for that, to those men who stood behind this pulpit Sunday night and allowed God to speak through them, amen? And, and you know what? Praise God for that, and I'm thankful for that. We should never get envious if, if somebody's doing something for God, and God forbid it's not us in the spotlight. That's a wicked attitude. But you know what? We know it's there because God wouldn't write about in the Scripture if it wasn't. Okay, and so Moses here, he encouraged uh, that kind of behavior. Go to Mark chapter 9. And here we go, New Testament again. And we see the disciples caught up in that very same behavior. Mark chapter 9. And again, I know sometimes the disciples kind of get a bad light, but hey, you know what? If they were going to follow Jesus and their lives were going to be an open book, guess what? God had to show some of the negatives, amen? And I know uh, we preach about it because it's in the Scripture. It's part of the Scripture. But praise God, they, they, they figured it out, amen? They got it right. And they're going to be rewarded all for eternity for that. But man, when we're reading about them, we're always looking at the negatives, aren't we? By the way, if we were back in that day, if Jesus had called us, I'm going to tell you, there would be probably 20 Gospels full of our mistakes, amen? So let's not get all... Uh, uh, down on the disciples here. Uh, but notice we see Mark chapter 9, and uh, let's uh, begin reading here in verse 38. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him, because he followed not us. Here John was, you know, Mr. Tattletale, Okay coming to tell on these other people, thinking Jesus was going to pat them on the back. Oh, John, you did such a wonderful thing. What did Jesus say? Look at verse 39. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that not is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Hey, you know there was good people in Jesus' day that, that weren't His disciples? I mean, think about it. The, the Gospels focus on the life of Christ, okay, and the sphere of influence He had. But Israel, that was still a, you know, I guess compared to the world, it's not a huge nation, but there were still good people back then doing good things. And not all of them were the disciples that followed Jesus Christ that we read about here in the Gospels. And Jesus recognized that. And notice what he said. I love that statement, verse 40. For he that is not against us is on our part. By the way, I'm for anybody that's preaching Christ. I'm for anybody preaching. Now, again, I'm not talking about someone preaching another gospel. But if they're truly preaching Christ, praise God for that. Amen? And I'm for that. Now, again, you know what? Maybe they do things that I, I wouldn't do. But you know what? It's none of my business. That's why I said there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. 
Amen? Listen, let's stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and let's be more concerned about what we either are or aren't doing. Let's stay focused on us, amen, in our relationship with God. Listen, God is quite capable of sorting all that stuff out. Amen? And you know what? God's the one that takes care of that stuff. And let's stop you know, uh, having this attitude of condemnation just because everybody's not like us or whatever, all right? And again, I understand there's a balance. And, 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 and I'm not referring to anyone preaching a false gospel. I'm just talking about people that are out there trying to do their best to, to live for the Lord. And by the way, you know what you're going to find out when you start working with people? Okay, you know what you know what comes with people? Problems. Okay? And you know what? Sometimes, folks, I, I, love, I love the sincerity of a new convert. And you know what? They, they don't know a whole lot, but man, they love God. They want to please God. And maybe sometimes out of a sincere heart, they may say something or do something that, you know what, maybe a mature Christian would or wouldn't do. But listen, they're doing it because they love God. Amen? And again, I'm not talking about nonsense, but I'm, I'm for, and we ought to be for people that love Christ or trying to preach and proclaim Christ. What a powerful thing that is. All right, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, and uh, we were there um, back in chapter 3. Uh, let, let's look at another verse here in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, let's look at um, verse uh, verse 21. Verse 21. Let's actually back it up here. Um, Verse 20. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, but they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. Amen? And so what he's saying here is, listen, don't get so wrapped up in what man is or isn't doing, okay? Therefore, let no man glory in men, okay? And uh, and by the way, you know what? If we're going to glory in something, we ought to be glorying what we ought to be glorying in, and that's Christ, amen? And uh, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. Obviously, God sets up earthly leadership. I'm not saying we shouldn't follow men and not respect men. I think we ought to do that. But you know what? That's not where our glory's at, Okay, when I'm praying, I'm not praying to in, in any other name except Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not praying in the name of this this pastor or this you know whoever. No, I'm not glorying in men. Okay, I'm glorying in Christ, and that's what Paul was trying to get him to figure out here. Okay, listen, whether it's Paul, whether it's Paulus, whether it's Cephas, you know what really matters? Christ is what matters. Okay, and so uh, again, uh, not being puffed up one against another. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's flip over to chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, and uh, let's look at verse 17 and 18, just a couple pages over here. Now notice here, verse 17, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, uh, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Okay, so Paul was not present in Corinthians. Thus, we have the letter to the church of Corinth, right? Paul wasn't there. He wrote him a letter, okay? And you know who he delivered it uh, by? Timothy, Timotheus. Timothy delivered the letter. So, you know what? This church was getting a letter uh, uh, from Paul, of course, Holy Spirit, of course, uh, by, by Timothy. And look at what their response was, verse 18. Now, some of you are puffed up as though I would not come to you. They were mad. They, they copped an attitude because Paul sent Timothy instead of him personally being there. 
Okay. By the way, uh, Paul wasn't just you know leisurely uh, cruising on the you know local ship of the day and kicking his feet up on the island of Crete. Okay, that's not what Paul was doing. Paul was busy in the ministry, ministering, starting churches, winning people to Christ, uh, going here, going there, being stoned, amen, and facing all these perils he faced. And you know what? It wasn't feasible for him to come there yet. And they got all puffed up about it. They got puffed up toward Paul. Okay? And Paul says in verse 19, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will. I like that. He says, you know what? Maybe God will let me come. Maybe God won't. All right? But you know what? Don't get puffed up whether or not I'm there or not. It's still me caring for you by getting this letter to you. And you know what? Sometimes we get puffed up by either uh, over-expectation uh, or under-expectation sometimes of the people in our lives. Okay? Listen, folks, don't over-expect things of people. Okay, remember something. Pe- the best of people are people at best. Okay? And you know what? Uh, sometimes people aren't going to do everything you think they ought to do. That's just called reality. Okay? Somebody told me something today I didn't particularly care for. I didn't particularly agree with. But you know what? I'm not their, you know, God in life. You know, God's their God. And they got to do what they're going to do. Okay? I'm not going to not be, I'm not going to be unkind to them for that. Amen? And so this, this church got puffed up to Paul because Paul sent Timothy, uh, and sent the letter through his hand instead of being there himself. And again, what was that a sign of? Carnality. Why do they have that in their life? Because they were a carnal church. All right, go to, um, uh, let's see here, let's go to chapter 8. Chapter 8. All right, here we go. We see the word puff up again. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And again, he had to deal with a lot of stuff going on in the church of Corinth, particularly this idea of eating meat that was uh, used for idol sacrifice and all this and all that. And again, you know, uh, some of the people did it knowingly did it. Some of the people did it ignorantly because they didn't even know about it, and it caused division. Okay, and here's what Paul says, you know, what's knowledge do? Knowledge is not wrong, but it is wrong if you're using it for the wrong reason. Knowledge puffeth up. I mean, you've seen this before. You've been around somebody that they think because they know a certain piece of information that they're somehow better than somebody else. You know, I mean, you see it all the time in the stinker liberal universities. I mean, the, the, the supposed scholars who think they know everything, they think they're up here and all the peons are down here. Okay, just because they think they, and by the way, to me, and I'm not saying they're all like that, but there's a lot of educated idiots out there. And just because you have, you know, an alphabet in front of your name, all right, an alphabet soup in front of your name, and this, you know, this, you know, uh, uh, title or that title, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying again that they don't necessarily not know anything, but some of the things, of course, when it comes to a lot of things of God, and you know what? They're, they're pretty puffed up about that. And if you're not careful, just having knowledge will puff you up. But you know what will help balance that out? Is what he says here. Charity edifieth. By the way, what's charity? Charity is love. You know what that means? It's knowledge put to action. It's not just about what you know. It's what the whole book of Proverbs is about. Yes, you've got to know things, but why do you want to know them? So you can go around thinking, you know, brag about what you know? No, you, you learn things so in turn you can put to practice what you know. 
And that's what God wants us to do with His Word. Not just walking around, you know, and thinking you know this and know that. No, put it to practice. Because if not, you can get puffed up just with knowledge. And of course, we'll see that here as we close out. Go to the last chapter here, the most famous chapter in 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, known as the the, the love or the, the the charity chapter, of course. And by the way, the, word, the reason that word charity is used because that word charity uh, is, is, of course, interpreted through that word agape. And that word agape is the God love, and God wanted to signify exactly the type of love He was talking about here. You know, sometimes in the Scripture, uh, by the way, God never does anything by accident, amen? And, and it really aggravates me when mankind think they're smarter than God. You know, sometimes people well, why God? why didn't God say in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder instead of thou shalt not kill? Well, guess what? When you get to heaven, ask Him. Listen, I don't know why God chose to do it the way He did, but I'm going to accept what He did, amen? Because I'm not smarter than God, and neither is anybody else. I can tell you that. But God here used specifically the word charity to emphasize this fact of agape love. And by the way, that's the ultimate love. That's the highest love. That's the God love that He has that He wants for us to have. All right? Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to read all the verses, uh, but look, if you will, verse 4. Okay? And by the way, you know what? If you're having relationship problems with anybody, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And by the way, when you go there, don't be thinking of the other person you're having a problem with when you're reading the chapter. Be thinking of yourself. God... Oh, look, God, they don't do this. They don't do that. No, how about this? God, am I doing this? Amen. And by the way, if you're having that attitude about somebody, no, you're not. Just saying. Amen. Notice, notice what we see here. Verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Here we go. You ready? Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. So here's what that means. If we're, as the Bible says here, warns against us not doing, if we're puffed up, uh, against one another, guess what's not present in our life? Agape love. Because if, if charity's there, there's no room for being puffed up with pride and um, haughtiness if charity's present. Because charity doesn't vaunt itself, it's not puffed up. And that leads on to all the other d- different uh, things in the chapter that I'm not going to go through tonight. But you know what? What a wonderful reminder for us. Amen? And uh, again, folks, why does God spend so much time in the Scripture talking about these things? Because He knows what our main problem is as the human race. The same thing that was Lucifer's problem, pride. Amen? And listen, again, folks, it seems like it's really not that complicated as far as sometimes what our problem is. What's complicated is the fact that we're not willing to admit what our problem is. And instead of looking, you know, in the mirror and examining ourselves, as the Bible tells us to do, and take a step back and letting God speak to our hearts about things, no, we automatically want to assume it's somebody else's problem. No, it, it, it may or may not be. But regardless, whether it is or isn't, guess what? Don't be puffed up toward that person. By the way, you know what? Maybe someone's puffed up towards you, but you don't have to be puffed up toward them. Amen? You can't control another person, what they do, what they don't do. But I'll tell you right now, we sure can control ourselves through the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, let's make sure that as Christians here, that we uh, are not what he says in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, and puffed up one against another. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight.